All right, y'all. It's time to crush it. Hi, all. My name is Devin Handy. And I usually host this podcast with Marissa Cabus, and she joins us for the interview. But unfortunately, it's just me. This week on Crush the Midterms, we are talking about the importance of community and networks. We had the pleasure to speak with Jess Morales Rocchetto, who is the political director of the National Domestic Workers Alliance. And we spoke to her about the power of creating a community and the power of reaching out to your network and organizing in, you know, making sure that people, you know, vote, making sure people, you know, turn out to volunteer and how tapping into that is really kind of the secret sauce of winning elections. So, you know, the power of community, I think, is talked about a lot, but often not in terms of what it can do in an election cycle. Community is talked a lot about in organizing and, and you know, support. And I mean, even um, with, with me on my other podcast, Hellbent, you know, the community we've created around that is the kind of the strongest thing about it and connecting with other smart, politically involved people, politically involved women has really been uh, central to uh, the goal of that show. And so it's interesting to then think about community and network in leveraging uh, an election cycle win. Because if you think about it, the organizing power of a group as opposed to an individual is unmatched. So if you need to set up a get out the vote drive, doing it with your network is so much easier and so much more impactful than trying to do it all yourself. So, you know, I think Jess really encompasses a lot of that because she does represent and, you know, work for a group of very diverse uh, people, specifically women, and making sure that their voices are heard as a block. And so, you know, taking her community and organizing them and making sure that they're all registered to vote, that they all have a way to get to the voting, you know, to get to the polls is really a great way to, you know, amplify your impact on the midterm. So I think the the moral of the story this week is reach out to your community, call your family and friends in other states, really leverage the the communities that you have built in, like your friends and family, and communities that you've created either online or in person. So um, again, we're very sad Marissa's not with us today, but she will be back with us next week. Our guest today is the political director of National Domestic Workers Alliance, Jess morales Riquetto. Jess, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Oh my goodness, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're really excited to talk to you. And I think, so this week, what we really want to focus on is the power of your network and the power of your community. And I know that the group that you work with is all about creating community and creating support systems. So as we head into the midterms, how, like, what is the importance of these created communities? Yeah, I mean, what we know is actually scientifically proven the most effective way to get someone out to vote 
is for them to hear from their friends and family. So it is not an understatement that if you live in a state where, which is almost everywhere, if not everywhere, where there's a really, really tight election, um, your friends and family will be most influenced by you telling them um, about what you care about and why you're voting and what candidates motivate you and what issues motivate you. So it can be hard, I think, sometimes for people to talk to their family about politics, but you're literally the most important people to talk to your family and friends. I think for me, sometimes a challenge is that I feel like I'm naggy or I'm obsessed with the elections and I, I'm so invested in them. <laughs> and I and I feel like the people around me are, are not. And that's fine because they have other concerns. But how do you talk to your family and friends in a way that is convincing and persuasive without um, maybe potentially alienating them? <laughs> Yeah, I've definitely had to learn this. I have a lot of Republicans in my family, including like my immediate family. So this is definitely something that has taken me a long time to learn. For me, the thing I always try to think about is two things. One, that um, to remember that I started also, you know, I wasn't always like obsessed the way I am now. I didn't always as a profession. So that's one thing is just like, remember what it was like when you were starting out, just getting involved, just like becoming aware. Um, there's a really, um, my executive director, I Jen Poo always says like, is there a room for woke among the waking? And I really think it's important for us to make room for the waking because if you're like super, you know, um, uh, over the top with people when you're talking with them and they're just learning, it's going to feel intimidating. It's going to feel like they did something wrong. And that is not a good way to create a habitual voter, which is what we really want to do. And then the other thing that I think is, is really important is, you know, you don't have to be an expert in policy or an expert in candidates or be ready to answer every question. Instead, like, I think what really matters is, really telling your story and speaking from the heart. And that's especially true when you're talking to somebody that might be like a little more conservative than you or not have the same views or like talking about a really contentious issue um, because then you won't feel like you're in a debate, but instead like you're having a conversation. I think that's actually really important. Like political conversation should be a listening. It should be an exchange instead of just like trying to, listen to the other person um, enough so that you figure out what you're going to say about him, you know, and, and respond to what he says. Yep. Those two things will serve you pretty well. Yeah, definitely. That makes sense. No, that's good. <laughs> Especially in these times, it's like, it's really easy for it to become a debate, right? Like everything is so charged. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I feel that. So I I also want to speak to the power of community. So obviously reaching out to your network and creating habitual voters is, is so important. But I also feel like when you talk about creating a community, you're talking about creating a, a group of people who can kind of do this together. Has it been your experience that you're more likely to maybe get involved with activism or maybe, you know, be welcome on the waking when you create these shared spaces. No, no, I, I totally think so. I mean, um, I was just talking with 
someone yesterday who said that women are, most of the time women don't feel powerful in their own lives. And I think that actually really is true. But when we do feel powerful is when we really come together. And especially when you're talking about politics, people can get a little bit intimidated or scared. I think that it is like way, you know, it's more clear what you stand for when you're kind of like two heads are better than one when you're talking about issues. You don't have to go alone. It's way more fun to go vote with somebody else. It's way more fun to volunteer with somebody else. You raise more money if a whole bunch of you do it together. You're like donating to a candidate. So definitely think that the community aspect of this is really important. And I also think it's important because part of what we're trying to do is resist against sort of that individualistic me, me, me culture that has been created by the people who are in power right now. So as we seek to elect the leaders that we want and get the, you know, pass the policies that we want, we also want to create the relationships that are more like the world that we want. So you know, that's sort of like in-person communities. And I'm also really interested in the idea of online or digital communities that aren't limited by by geography. So something like Twitter, mm-hmm. something like the hashtag, you know, hashtag me too movement, something that brings people together regardless of, of space. I mean, for example, I'm in Los Angeles. I'm speaking to you in New York with Marissa and, you know, so it's amazing what the internet can do. Have, ha- has the internet changed the way we can create groups and especially as it comes to voting and get people volunteering and activate people for something like a midterm election? Completely. I mean, you can volunteer for anyone, anywhere. You can find out all of the information that you need. You can find your friends that live in specific places, you know, districts where the races are really targeted and ask them to vote. So a hundred percent, I think it's completely fundamentally changed the landscape um, of how we volunteer and take action. I think it's also changed the landscape of how we engage with candidates, right? Because it's really difficult to um, to fake it when you you know need to put a video up um, all the time so that people can see you, and when you uh, you know tweet <laughs> tweets that are really hollow and you can tell that they don't mean anything. So I think that it allows us to really have a window into our leaders or the people who want to be our leaders. Um, in a way that we like never have before. So absolutely, it's, it's an incredibly powerful tool in both connecting us across differences in geography and also in enabling us to really take action and use that power for good. So say I'm, I'm someone listening to this right now, and um, I don't feel like I'm particularly part of a community online or otherwise, but I have strong interests, I have issues I care about, um, how how would you recommend that that someone go about finding a community that feels right for them? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I do think hopefully you have one friend. And if you have one friend, I would really encourage you to get that person to be your buddy because sometimes it is, you know, to walk into, you know, an office or make a call for the first time. Um, but the other thing I would say is that so many organizations would only be too happy to train you up um, on how to talk to voters, on how to canvas, on how to host a house party to get your other friends involved, um, kind of whatever makes sense for you. And they often offer those as webinars um, or in person, again, whatever makes sense for you. 
I would get started there. If you look, we've really, truly never done it before. That's, that's the, the place. They'll, they'll teach you the most effective way to talk to voters, do a role play, um, and they'll really equip you to do it, um, to do canvassing or phone banking really effectively. The other thing I would say is, like, I do think that while the power of social media and the internet has been really incredible in creating tools and conversations, it can feel like Twitter or your individual Facebook feeds are like the whole world and they're really not. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> they're actually a really small version of the world, Twitter especially. Like, um, and so it means that sometimes we get like a really skewed view of like what is happening. So here's a really good example. Um, you know, I think if you look on Twitter right now, you would probably think that Stacey Abrams is going to just like float into the governorship in Georgia. Everybody loves her. Celebrities are posting about her. Um, and I really hope she does just float into the governorship. But what we know is that she's trying to be the very first African-American governor in the history of the United States. That has literally never happened before in our entire country's history. So it's going to definitely be an uphill battle. Um, and that means we need everybody to come out and register, to come out and vote, to come out and register other people to vote, to canvas and filming for her. I was just in Georgia this weekend, and we were talking to people that had still never heard of C.C. Abrams, which if you're on Twitter, probably you are like, how is that even possible? Right. Um, so, it, <laughs> so I think it is really important to like, Get off Twitter and get out into the world and talk to your friends. Like, have they heard of CC? They live in Georgia, or if they live close by, do they know that they can go and volunteer for CC in Georgia? Um, because that is still really, really needed. Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about on a previous episode the power of canvassing and knocking doors, and what better way to let new people know than going into a community that maybe isn't representative of the, the people you follow on Twitter and um, introducing them to her and letting them know that she's a, a person that you are strongly, that you care strongly about. And these are people that you would have never connected with otherwise. So in that way, it's sort of a, uh, would you say that's another way of, com of building community by, by reaching out to these new sorts of folks? Oh, completely. You know, I think canvassing is, it, it's tough. You know, it, it's, I was just in Georgia, it was 95 degrees this weekend. So like, it wasn't a, a really crisp stroll, but what makes up for the physical lever is the conversations that you have are incredible and people are really excited to talk to you. And people are, are like really impressed by other people who are taking a Saturday to go knock on doors or you know, and talk about a candidate because that's not what they're doing on Saturday. Right. So, um, that, in that way it is so empowering and exciting. And particularly if you're canvassing in your own neighborhood, it's a great way to meet your neighbors. That's true. That's true. Um, well, <clears throat> I'm always surprised sort of this point, how, how Twitter and Facebook can open the whole world, but also limit the scope of what you're seeing so drastically. I mean, I've been shocked. I've, I've talked to my friends, at, like people I consider close friends, and I'll, I'll bring up Kavanaugh, and they'll literally be like, who? I'm like, wait, what? I forget no that. Way. <laughs> well, okay, no, maybe not Kavanaugh. Yes. But, but I mean, like. No, I think so. Yeah. 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 Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I've, really? 
I forget. I forget that not everyone is is a news junkie or you know super well informed or even informed at all. And you know, especially with someone like Kavanaugh or some of these uh, you know really divisive issues, there's a lot of talk of how it's could possibly energize these communities and networks that we're talking about. So do you think something like Kavanaugh's confirmation is really pushing people to utilize these networks even harder and to get people moving? As Have these, you know, kind of losses or the, or the devastation of, of some of these events, you know, uh, act, you know, also activated something? I think so. I mean, I was just at the Capitol for, I feel like I've been living at the Capitol this last month. Um, <laughs> but last week I was there um, for all the action. And, you know, what you were looking at with those actions with women who have never taken action before. And the very first action they were taking is telling their story of sexual assault in public. And I think that often people really, underestimate women's political activity and they really do so at their own peril because these women are women from a place like Maine who really fronted Senator Collins and saw that confrontation fly on deaf ears. That is motivating. When you take something directly to your leader, you come all the way from me to Washington, D.C., and then she doesn't listen to you, you better believe that those folks are the ones who are going to go home and say, well, we can find people who listen to us better. We can find issues that will, you know, that we can advocate for that will better reflect who we are and our values. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, you obviously work closely with the National Domestic Workers Alliance. Um you are the political director. You don't work closely. You are on the <laughs> leadership there. Sorry. Um, long day. No, that's okay. Um, uh, so have have you seen your group and other groups really take on issues that maybe feel outside the scope of your original, um, you know, your original mission statement in these times? So obviously you were, you know, you're you're for supporting domestic workers and creating that community, but then also this intersects in so many ways that networks and communities that have already existed have now expanded their their reach and what they're working for. Gosh, that's such a good question, actually. Part of it is there's just like an attack every week, right? And so how do you really respond to this in a way that feels right for the urgency of the moment? Um, and for us, a lot of this is leaning on immigration. I feel like Every week I, I am, you know, talking a campaign for some other horrible thing. Um, and I wish that wasn't the case. But our work around Me Too has been something that I'm really proud of in our organization, but it's also really opened up a new conversation for us. Domestic workers are the industry likely to be vulnerable towards sexual assault. And unlike many others, um, you know, who... When people talk about, like, why you wouldn't report sexual assault, well, domestic workers don't report sexual assault because many times the people who are actually the perpetrators of that assault are their employers. So what do you do when you don't have anybody to talk to about it? Well, you don't, you don't report it. You bury it. Right. Um, and so being engaged on this issue has 
given so many of our workers the opportunity to really tell their stories, to really release that trauma and have it be an incredibly empowering experience. And at the same time, I think it's also made people realize that even workers who are among the lowest paid, the most exploited, the most vulnerable are rising up and taking action and taking ownership over their stories and their politics. That is an incredibly powerful change that is going to have reverberations in our country for a really long time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so as we roll into these last few weeks of the election campaign trail, which I really cannot believe we're finally here, um, what what would be your best advice to people who um, really want to engage their community for this last part, for this last push in the most effective way? I mean, it's going to sound really Pollyanna, but I mean it. Talk to your family and friends about voting. And I think also don't assume that you know who is a voter. Um, I think what we learned in the 2016 election is we don't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't that the truth? (laughs) So make sure that you're talking to people. And, you know, really I think it's important to make sure that you're, especially if you think that your family might vote in a way or your friends or your coworkers, might learn a way that's really detrimental to our country. It's so, so important for them to hear from their friends too. Totally. (laughs) Oh gosh. Well, Jess, thank you so much for sitting down with us and and talking about this very important, but sort of abstract uh, concept in, in this run up to the midterm elections. I feel like things like donating, volunteering are, are very concrete and we understand why they're important, but then network is sort of a little squishier as a topic. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Thanks so much for talking about it. It's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck on the the trail until November 6th and um stay hydrated. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, that's great advice. Thank you. <laughs> All Bye. <right>. Bye. <laughs> okay, everyone. I loved that interview. Jess is just one of the coolest, smartest people. And she does such amazing work with the National Domestic Workers Alliance. And she does such amazing work with her community that she's built, that she's created, and the one that she, you know, has naturally as well. So the call to action this week is to call three people that are in your network, but not your your center, like, baked-in network. So... You know, maybe a family member that lives out of state or a friend that you've made in a community building group or, uh, uh, you know, your cousin who lives in a swing district. So reach out to three people that you can talk to about the upcoming midterms and make sure that they're registered to vote, they're going out to vote, and they know the importance of turning out for the midterms. So, so stay tuned next week where we'll have a new topic, a new guest, and a new way to crush the midterms. See you next week.